This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic, craziness, no time, no fun. Just work, work, work. work, work. work. Perform, perform. Harder, harder. Push, push. Machines, high pressure, no time. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless this is efficiency on demand and this is your host monique welcome back to efficiency on demand everyone i have invited a very special guest for you he is also known as the advisor of the illuminati he is half Italian and half Chinese. So we will have a very fun conversation, especially in times like this, where Italians and Chinese apparently are not the cleanest people I heard. And please take it with a grain of salt. I'm just being very sarcastic and making fun. (laughs) Isn't that an introduction? Please help me welcome Matt Young. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. That was a very splendid introduction. Hashtag Corona for the Chinese <laughs> Italian gesture. So before everyone jumps off the podcast and leaves the worst reviews ever for me, I just want to say Matt and me had a conversation for almost two hours now. And before we even start to record this podcast, and if one thing is really clear, then Please don't take us any serious, at least in the first five minutes of this podcast. Totally. Do you agree? I, I 1000% agree. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> oh my God. So I love how much we talked so far and what we've talked about. Don't worry. I'm not going to spill the beans. You can do that later. But before we are going into all of the nitty gritty conspiracy series of anything that we talked about. I would love to hear first, who are you, where are you from, and what do you do? Awesome. So my name is Matt Young, and I am a real estate marketing expert. Um, I own two different companies. One is my personal brand, which is Matt Young Media. Um, The second one is a software that I've built for real estate agents and loan officers. There's other industries that also use it, but it's pretty much just branded for real estate and, and kind of the loan origination world. And that's called Realply. Um, and I have a third company, which is about to launch, which is still in the launching phase. So I'm not going to talk too much about it until we actually get it off and, and going. But those are the, the two companies that I currently run as it stands. And then the third thing that I do is I do business consulting for startup companies to help them generate and scale their revenue. I love it. So tell me about this Illuminati thing. Well, you know, basically I'm a, a board member. You know, I'm pretty much the plug and the, 
the insider and making people's dreams come true and, you know, getting them to the, uh, yeah, to the pearly gates of where that all the decisions and all the big wigs pretty much sit around one conference table and talk about just very Illuminati-like things. Did yeah. Tupac really die or is he in Mexico hanging out or is in Punta Cana? I mean, those are the conversations typically that surface when Illuminati members congregate. And so is that, is, do you think your Italian or your Chinese side is coming out more when you're in the board meeting? It depends on whether or not I'm running mathematics or if I'm, uh, you know, having to throw people over the dock more or less. It just depends. Depends right. on what, what, my, what my role is. <laughs> All right. So let's get a little bit serious. You guys out there, you know, we are just making fun. So tell me, tell me how you got started. I know like your story is uh, just as crazy as mine, but very, very different. So tell me a little bit where you're from, like, and how this rolled out to be you being so entrepreneurial. Totally. So I am from Phoenix, Arizona, but I moved to New York when I was a child. Actually, no, step back. I moved to Boston, step back before that. I moved to Durham and Raleigh, North Carolina. And I moved there when I was six years old. And then my parents split which basically left us in a kind of a, a weird financial slump. Um, and so we moved to Boston where I was then homeless. And that was a kind of weird stage of my life. And that was when I was eight years old. And then pretty much when I was eight, that transpired into me thinking of different entrepreneurial ways to make money. <laughs> so I found myself shoveling, on days where there was like blizzards and, you know, there was a snow day, even to like flipping and selling Pokemon cards and flipping pogs and selling pixie sticks at school. And it's everything under the sun that, you know, could, could, I guess, be profitable. I am not trying to sing the song again. So when you were eight years old and you found yourself basically homeless and you were thinking of, okay, what can I do for myself to probably to be safe. How did you, like, how was your first reaction in, in this moment? Was it more a, why did they do this to me? How could they, you know, ever leave me homeless now? Or was it more like a, all right, got to get myself out of here? So basically what it transpired was my parents left each other. You know, they got obviously divorced. And then Yeah, I mean, at eight years old, you know, you're you're not really thinking about real life scenarios like that. I'm still in the frame of mind where Super Soaker just came out. So I still wanted a Super Soaker. PlayStation just came out. So I wanted a PlayStation. And, you know, we were met with some real life circumstances that needed to be dealt with immediately. And so I think in my brain at that time, it was still difficult to register. I think what really kind of set it off was living in New York and watching my mom, uh, who I love dearly, uh, watching her struggle. Actually, today is my mom's birthday, by the way, on St. Patrick's Day. <gasps> Happy birthday, Mrs. Yeah, shout out, yeah, shout out to my mom. But just seeing her struggle and, you know, it was right around Christmas time where she had asked me, she was like, hey, man, what would you like for Christmas? And I knew that my mom was struggling financially because I saw a few dollars on her bed before we 
moved to Boston where we were then homeless for a little bit. And um, I asked her for those $4 and she just broke down in tears, you know, basically explaining that we were not going to have a place to, to live. And so at that point in time, I think it was, you know, it, it, it kicked in at a very young age and I, I had to figure out like, what am I going to do? And obviously I'm still going to school, right? I'm in third grade at the time. So it's not like I can work full time or, or things like that. And so it was interesting, right? I mean, I guess the, the, the thing that set it off for me was right around Christmas, she had asked if I wanted toys and I told her I just wanted a shovel. And she asked me why I wanted a shovel. And I told her that, you know, if I could get a shovel, then I wouldn't have to worry about asking her for toys because I could get those myself because I knew that I could shovel enough driveways in, in New York to be able to make my own money. So did you get money? I did. <laughs> I did through trial and error, actually. It wasn't just like the first door that I knocked on. They were welcome. How many doors did it take you? Honestly, you know, what's funny. Like the first day that I got a shovel, I, it took me, I want to say eight or nine hours. And it was weird because uh, we were in a blizzard and I thought that I would just show up some cute little half Italian, half Asian kid with a weird part in his hair. I thought that people would just be very inviting towards letting me shovel their, their driveway for money. I would but, have said yes. <laughs> yeah, I hope it would have. And, uh, but yeah, it wasn't like that. So people would, and, and I, I, what I learned down the, as time progressed was it, it was the way that I was pitching it. I was asking people if they wanted their driveway shoveled mm. and, I guess to my uh, surprise, nobody wanted their driveway shovel. And then I had to kind of reframe the way that I was pitching it. And then that obviously we discussed what that lent, lent itself towards the next day. So, Yeah, but tell, tell people about like what you actually said to the last person in order for him to let you shuffle. The oh, driveway. that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So nine hours in and I'm about to basically pack it up and, and go home. My feet are like basically frostbitten. I'm super cold. The windshield is like negative. I don't know. It must've been like negative 10. My face is chapped. I'm about to start crying. I'm like nine years old and eight years old, nine years old, whatever. And the, the tears start welling up in my eyes. And I was like, well, I'm not a quitter. So I'm, I'm going to go to the next door. And that next door that I went to, instead of me asking him, hey, you know, do you want your, your driveway shoveled? I turned around right when he opened up the door and I looked at the, the steps and I said, hey, do you, do you have kids? And he's like, I do. And I just turned around. I looked at the steps. And I said, I really hope that they don't walk down these steps because these are dangerous. And he agreed with me, of course. And he's like, well, what are we going to do about it? And of course, obviously, I have a shovel, which is as tall as me at the time. Yeah, that, that pretty much turned into like, I don't know what, I don't even remember. I charged him like 30, 40 bucks. I love that. That's a, that's a super, it's, it's a really good story, especially like, because I feel like this has later transferred into how you became such a good entrepreneur. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So I want to dive a little bit into the uh, mental part of like what you've gone through, because I feel like not a lot of entrepreneurs 
know what it takes actually to go through things like this and how to deal with them. So when you've been homeless, you said like you've been still in school. How did you deal with that? Especially because I can imagine that your teachers and your friends would have asked you a lot of questions. Yeah, man, that was a, it was definitely a wild time in my life because I'm learning, I'm learning about myself, right? At this point in time, I've grown up much quicker than most of my peers around me. And so going to school and juggling, and, and just to be clear, I, it's not like I was not homeless, like all of my life, you know, like for a majority of my life, I did have a home, but there was definitely some instances, you know, where I didn't, of course. But I think that looking back, I think that there was a lot of pride involved. And so I didn't really share with my teachers or with my friends, like what my scenario was, because I didn't want people to feel pity or I didn't want people to feel bad for me. So I, I guess I kind of just manned up and went through it. If that answers your question. Yeah. Do you think that it has kind of bottled up a lot and at some point plopped out of you? In what ways? Well, because there's a, like, looking back at my life, I had a lot of instances where I definitely didn't share when I was uh, feeling really sick. Or for example, that time, like we talked about my TEDx talk, the time I was raped, I would never talk about it. I would not share it. I would not tell anyone that I was really struggling. I would not tell anyone that I was not able to walk because of the spine injury and that I just got fired from the job that I actually just talked about what I was doing there in this big uh, corporation and that it was illegal actually that I was fired. All of these things, I didn't share them. I was literally just, as you would say, I meant up and I just did what I had to do to get through it, but I didn't share it for years. It was a really heavy burden on me. It was such a big burden that at times I became so frustrated just with like people around me or just with things they would say because it would kind of trigger some emotions. And I had a point where it's just like, it was like a champagne bottle that you still had close and you would shake it like at Formula One races or whatever when you win it. And it, I would just like, <laughs> boom, like I would explode on a yeah. guy that tried to buy me a drink and tried to force me to drink alcohol while I refused friendly for like three times and explained that I don't drink alcohol anymore. And he, totally. was, he was telling me I was so prude. And I was just like, oh my God, he got to run down. <laughs> well, yeah. that was a few years ago. So how do you think like emotionally, if like, I mean, as a kid, you had to swallow a lot and take on a lot. Did that come out later in some way? I think it did. I think one thing that really helped me, thank God, is just using books as mentors. Um, because I think I, I mean, separate from just having a really good circle, I mean, my, my friends are just like top notch. I have a really solid supportive group of, of people around me, thank God. But I think that as I get older, I think it used to affect me more. But as I get older, you know, I'm, I'm 30 years old and I'm, I'm not saying I'm like on my way out or anything, but I'm, I'm a little bit more wise. And I think just, you know, Carl Jung says something very profound that always stuck with me. He says, whatever you resist persists. And I see that to be true, right? So like nowadays, I think it's a, an easier topic for me to discuss, not only just for myself so that I can heal, 
um, but also so that I'm not bottling it up because I don't think that that's healthy. Um, whatever you resist persists and whatever you reveal, you heal. And so if I'm capable of speaking about it, um, then I could just let it go and allow for new new belief systems and new ideas to enter my brain that are more conducive to the progression and to the evolution of where I see myself now and where I see myself wanting to go. Absolutely. I totally agree. And um, yeah, that's the reason why I talk so much. So what was the turning point for you to take this life and be like, okay, I think I'm done with it. I want something new. And um, to get to where you're now today? I would say that probably the biggest turning point was when I was, I would say 20 years old, around 20, 19 to 20. I was, I would say probably not hanging around the best group <laughs> of people. Yeah, right around 20 years old. So about maybe a decade ago. I mean, there's, there's always going to be moments in your life, right? Where you make fine tweaks to alter your path. And if you're not where you want to be, then obviously you need to make those subtle adjustments yeah. along the way. So mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a continuum, but I guess like the big milestone or the big landmark in my brain that kind of reigns supreme would be 20 years old. So if you, when you had, when you had this turning point, what was the big mindset shift for you? What do you think was the perspective that like opened up for you that made you, that was kind of like opening up that new world for you? Because I think like, in my opinion, perspective is what helps us change. Totally. Yeah, I think that the perspective shift was that I have to take accountability for every single thing in my life, whether good or bad, and have a little bit more emotional maturity to be able to stomach the fact that life isn't perfect and not everybody is going to have all aces dealt from birth. There's going to be jokers, there's going to be twos and threes in your in your deck of cards, and you have to learn how to leverage those low cards in order to get face cards like jacks and queens and kings. And that comes from perspective, as you mentioned. And I think that just being capable of, of taking more accountability for where I was and saying, you know what, listen, if I'm not where I want to be, it's totally because of of me and that's the only way that I'm going to be able to change my situation regardless of you know what other external circumstances that that there were I think just taking accountability for all of it so then I can kind of so that I be, so that I could change ultimately hmm. so what do you think who was so far the biggest influence in your life could be positive or rather not But what do you think would be a would be person who, let's say the positive one, because I think it's like more someone who would send you on the way. Totally. Man, there's a lot. I mean, honestly, a lot of my influences come from people that I probably haven't even met. Because again, I mean, you know, I've read a lot of, a lot, a lot of, of books. And so people like Bruce Lee, I think was a huge component. Deepak Chopra, I read a lot of his books. 
Fitch Not Han, Napoleon Hill, you know, Austin Kleon, just several different authors, I think, that are prevalent within my brain and also in, inside of me because I, I think I consume a lot of their, their work. So looking back on this like crazy ride, is there something that you would say has definitely been probably the uh, like the worst thing happened at this one point, but the best thing that could have happened in hindsight? The worst thing that could have happened at this point, but the best thing that could have happened in hindsight. Hmm. I think the worst thing, I mean, there was several moments in my life where I thought that it was like absolute rock bottom. I think one of the most trying times though, Monique was, yeah, I would say being in an, you know, when I was homeless at, at 17, crawling through an abandoned building in New York with no electricity and staying there for a few months in the wintertime. <laughs> that, was, mm. that was a tough, yeah, that was definitely a tough, tough time in my life for sure. I But also hate. one of the, I'm sorry. No, I just said I, I freaking hate winter. <laughs> yeah. Winter. Yeah. It was, it was a tough time, but in hindsight though, right. That's the most important thing. Looking back, I think that that adversity had, built me for just a feeling of like, I can't be broken or that I can't be shaken by, or what can I be shaken by really? I mean, when you go through those turbulent times, you know, it really kind of strengthens you yeah. in a lot of ways. So, I mean, if we're looking at the, at the crazy, I'm, I'm probably just saying that a few times, but like you've gone really through quite a few things that like that we can definitely label adversity. And um, it's quite interesting because I think you mentioned it at the beginning or maybe in one of the conversations we had in the past two hours. But um, you said like, you know, this is one common denominator that entrepreneurs have to have this really resilient mindset and to not be knocked down by like, you know, a challenge something that they have to conquer when they face plant um, through, through this crazy journey that entrepreneurship is as well. Do you think, and I think I recently talked about this with another guest, but afterwards, like, do you think that's a learned skill to be so resilient? Or do you think that like, it's something that we all have in us maybe, but some people know where the button is to activate it. And some people just don't. I think that we all have it inside of us. I think that it's stimulated by circumstances at times, but I think that we can all draw from that well of resilience when necessary, right? It's the same reason why when adrenaline kicks in, you know, you'll have a, a, a grandmother of like 84 who picks up a, <laughs> a Ford F-150, right? Maybe I'm, I'm being a little bit, you know, over the top, but picks up a, a a pickup truck to get her little grandson out of out of harm's way. So I think I don't know to answer your question I think everybody has that strength and resilience inside of them. I think that it's just called upon at different moments. So do you think you because of when you were eight it was probably a 
like it was triggered by what happened around you and all you I'm I'm making a generalization here, but all you wanted were to be able to buy toys for yourself. So the trigger for you was like, I don't want to struggle through through not having money. Let's just say it that way. So the resiliency came from the survival kind of aspect. But later on, do you think it was the same kind of trigger to always like, I need to survive somehow? Or do you think it was then the knowledge that you can survive because you did it already, that you said like, oh, I know I'm going to get through this. So let me just do it. Totally. Yeah. You know, I think that in hindsight, when I was younger, it was more of a primitive thing of survival. Nowadays, I think that my brain has shifted and my perspective has shifted. Like my, what drives me today is not the same thing that drove me even five years ago. You know, five years ago, it might, you, if you asked me what drove me, I probably would say something like money drives me or, or things like that. But now it's about creating an impact. You know, I, I see the, the legacy that I want to leave in this world has n not as much to do with money as it does to do with the impact and the ripple effect that, that I'd like to leave before I, you know, before my time is up. And ultimately, I think that comes to putting people in better positions than they came into this world and also reforming to some degree the education system and creating first world opportunities in third world countries. I mean, I'm in Mexico as we speak, right? I, I think I explained to you that I have, you know, employees in Mexico City. I also have employees in Puerto Penasco. And, and some of these employees that I have are some of the most intelligent and resourceful individuals that had no idea what digital marketing was. And now prior to working for me, they were working at restaurants or call centers and making $2 an hour or three or $4 an hour. And now they make really good money, you know, working for myself. And they're like, forever grateful that I put them in this position. But also I just see on, on the opposite spectrum, how thankful and how grateful I ha I am to have them because they're stupid, creative, they're stupid, resourceful. They're really, really, you know, hard workers. And so on, on the flip side, I'm, I'm really thankful to have them at the same time too. So not to get lost in the weeds, but putting people in position before my time is up. That's like, it's really, really important. I think for me more than ever. It's super interesting because although we talked over two hours before starting to record this episode, we didn't get to that point, which is very interesting because we have a very, very similar, if not even the same vision of what we want to create in this life. And it's like, it's amazing how, you know, You just get connected and you try in the, the people that are on the same page. So do you have a plan to kind of scale this vision into something bigger? I do. You know, at this point, scaling up, you know, both of my companies is, I think, the most important component only because it does take capital. Um, I don't want to 
disregard or, or downgrade the importance of, of capital. I just don't want to place so much focal point on it solely for that purpose, right? Like hmm. it's not just about the money, but the, the capital will provide the means to enable more resources so that we can do things like build schools in third world countries or I mean, truly, as you know, right, because you're in the digital marketing space as well, most people, I mean, here's here's the thing, right? Like the world is shifting rapidly, but we're still clinging to outdated concepts. Like, I don't believe, for instance, that we necessarily need school in the traditional context of like, you have to go to school in order to be successful. I look at a lot of my friends and they have master's degrees and aren't, you know, I guess in the financial context, successful, right? And maybe not even in the in the context of happiness, are they successful? Because I mean, that's a huge aspect of, of success as well is how happy are you, right? You can make less money, but always have a smile on your face and you can make $30 million a, a year and be miserable. So happiness has something to do with it too, but I digress. Yeah, I mean, let, you know what? Let's go a little bit deeper because I think that's super interesting. I think there's still the belief out there that if you want to be a successful entrepreneur or business owner, you got to have this decree, you got to have the certificate, you got to have whatever. But I absolutely agree. I don't think that schools are necessary, especially not in this traditional way that there exists now. Um, coming from Germany, Apparently, we have one of the best educational systems. I couldn't laugh louder. I'm sorry, Germany. But um, it's just like this frontline educational system does absolutely not work. If I look at Northern European countries like Norway, uh, for example, and I believe it's Finland as well and Denmark who've changed or was it Sweden? But it doesn't matter. So Norway, for, for sure, how they've changed around uh, and adapted with the needs of students. Like the way they have school is amazing because it is literally like an entrepreneurial mastermind. So they have a topic of a day and maybe not in every school, but in many it has been adopted. They have a topic of a day that will basically from the teacher introduced in the morning and then they will be split into different working groups and then from different point of views like let's say language history math or whatever this type of topic will be worked through in like a working book with you know with tasks and outdoor activities and whatever it is and by the end of the day they come back together in the classroom and they will talk about it in the big group with little presentations and with whatever you know and I think this is I mean, this is such a way better system already. And you can see how smart people get out of there, basically, you know, and like it also forces them to implement all of the different ways that students come into the school. There is not just the learning type, but also the learning by doing and, you know, the leadership type and everything like all of that will be included. And so whether or not there should be school buildings I actually don't think so I think everything should be moved anyways probably into an online world I mean we see what's happening now 
Although I also believe that there is uh, places like, I don't know, have you heard of the Korean school in Bali? The Korean school in Bali? No, I'm sorry. That's my accent. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, no. This word is always the most hilarious that people understand. Green as the color. Oh, oh the green. Yeah, yeah. In Bali. Yeah. So this school is amazing as well, because I do believe that like one-on-one -on -one interactions in personal life obviously is super, super important and definitely should be um, supported. So this school, you know, they grow their own veggies, they cook their own food for lunch, the kids. What a life skill. Like how many millennials can cook? I'm not right. I'm sorry about that. Millennials, no, no, but no, no. You're absolutely right. Like, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm I'm on the edge between like millennials and I don't like was it Gen X, I think. So I'm 33, but hell can I cook? I don't know if you want to eat my food. Like I let the rice cooker do its thing. And then, you know, I'm so happy Thailand has great street food and I can eat out as often as necessary. Oh man, yeah, I'm super jealous. <laughs> I, I, side note, Thai, Thai food is like literally that's that's wifey right there that's wifey <laughs> if like if i go to the altar it's gonna be with pad thai or drunk <laughs> the noodles i've, I've made it on yeah so <laughs> noted so the, but the thing is you know it's just it's just really incredible how they are built not based on what can you put into your brain and keep it until the next test but what life skills and emotional intelligence can you build within a group of people you know and this is exactly. so important right i i agree 100 you know the way that we quantify intelligence in in, in our traditional context of, of education is it's just laughable at best and when I, it, like you mentioned, you know, having to study for tests and having to memorize and, ha you know, being able to regurgitate, it, it really just comes down to who can memorize the most. And, and not to say that memorization isn't an important aspect of life. It's a huge component. Even on it, when you're talking about life skills, remembering somebody's name is so important, right? Think about that. So I'm it losing is- losing out on that a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, not to get too lost in like the political involvement of like our skewed education system, but just to keep it simple, the world is changing and we're also clinging to outdated concepts and structures that really are not as applicable. Why, why does 90% of America go to, to school? It's so that after they get their four-year degree or their six-year degree or whatever, they get their master's that they come out and they get a job that will pay them well so that they can live a decent lifestyle and pay their student loan. Yeah. To pay their student loan and be, I guess, be in debt for 20 years, 30 years and more power to them. You know, like, listen, if at the same time, like, I don't want to sound too like left wing or anything. Like if that's your, if that's what your destiny has paved for you and that's like the life path that you decide to choose, then go for it with full gusto and don't let anybody sway you to, to believe otherwise. But if you are going to school, you know, involuntarily because your parents 
listen to their neighbors, who listen to their parents that told them that this was the right way of doing things, then maybe you should have a, an honest talk with the mirror and say, like, what am I really going to to school for? Is this the actual career that I want? And if it is the career that I want, is there other ways that I can achieve this without having to get 70 grand in debt just to come out making less than 70 grand a year net? That's going to end up taking me 20 years, 30 years to, you know, to pay back. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big thing. And I think like, hopefully as well, now in these turbulent times, people will understand how important it is to be flexible and to think outside of the box and to, to put your money into a rather supporting fund or whatever it is where you save your money so that you're safe and your family is safe and not all of the institutions that may not even support uh, your lifestyle, you know? So I totally yeah. believe in that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So let's spit a little bit. <laughs> let's spit a few imaginary things here. If if now after this, uh, I mean, we know what's going on in the world. At the time of recording, it's March 18. And we have a pandemic going on in this world. Tell me if, if let's just, let's just be really weird because we can. It's actually a panda mic. It's where the pandas hold microphones. It's not a pandemic. It's a pandam mic. That was terrible. Oh, please. Just keep going. Forget I even actually that just would be a ma- Oh. Uh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. No, I love it. So if, if that would be able to change and put the world upside down and just change everything that's going wrong. How would this world look like for you after we fixed it? That's a loaded question. Right? Uh, boy. My answer is easy. My world would be yellow. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't anyways. know about yellow. You know what? Actually, you got that going for you. Starburst, the, fa- the, the best Starburst. And, you know, this is not up for discussion. The yellow Starburst is is the best one, followed by pink. I'm not sure I'm following you. The Starburst, have you ever had? No. It's called a, really? A Starburst? It's a candy. It comes in this little, no. like, cylindrical, it's like a small square, and you eat it, and it's flavorful. It's like, you've not, no, no. Should I get no. it? I mean, in America, it's a big deal, especially around Halloween time. People, yeah, All you right. should definitely. I mean, just for the sake of this podcast, I mean, you probably should. I'll go find it. it. I'll go find it. That's hilarious. <laughs> I feel like you, I feel like you were even more of a deprived child than myself. You didn't have a Starburst. That's hilarious. <laughs> like I, I, if if you only knew, I mean, if uh, oh my god. Anyways, yeah. If you That's knew, okay. no stardust for me. All right. So your world would be yellow if after everything was said and done, like that's what you would change? Yes. That's it? <laughs> I mean, 
people who know me know what people who know me really well they know what that means but yes for not for the sake of the time of this podcast that's what i would change okay fair enough solar power to the world oh okay okay i mean not oh did that sound like i'm gonna put out the no anyways yellow let's keep it yellow all right so do i pick a color or do i no you're gonna describe your world to me in a perfect world first and foremost i think that there would be more collectivity amongst humanity not only just america but the world in and of itself i think we're moving towards a great space where people are utilizing technology to connect with others but just as much as we're doing that we're also creating it as a medium to not connect with others and to hide behind real interactions with each other and to negate vulnerabilities or you know not be as transparent or vulnerable with each other so i think that that would be one thing that 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 i would change i guess in a perfect world and then really the second thing is just educating people on new ways i'm pretty gung-ho on that like i I really like for people to know that they're not stuck like if you are not happy with your job at any given point in time you don't have to check in with people you don't have to ask permission you can literally get up out of your cubicle and walk the fuck out of your job like excuse my language but if you don't like something in your life to have the 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 courage so yeah i guess the key word is courage i i hope for people to have more courage in life to go after the things that they truly want knowing that you know there is an hourglass on life and nobody knows when the sand is actually completed on the other end and with that being said to to take more risks in life and not let society or not let the news fearmonger you into paralysis and make moves making moves move get out of the way okay here we go songs (laughs) (laughs) you've been doing that all night it's so funny so every now and again you'll just pop up with some random we got to get you on a remix or something (laughs) i i know some musicians some pretty solid musicians that could get you on the ones and twos you know, I never told anyone that. So I was a dancer for half of my life, longer, for like 20 years. And I had my own dance crew, street dance. And we were we were solid, like, but because of my ballet background, I was a semi-professional ballet dancer for over 11 years. And I had actually Ice-T inviting me to dance in his video in Abu Dhabi in, oh God. That's a long time ago, 2005, I want to say, four, 2004, I think. It's so funny. It's so funny that you say Ice-T. Like, you couldn't have mentioned any other rapper because one of my friends, his dad married Ice-T's wife's mom. Random. I was actually, even a funnier story is that I was actually supposed to be at Ice-T's uh, house for Thanksgiving this year. Really random. Last year or this year? Well, last year. Oh. Since it's 2020. 
Yeah, I was like, is it already Thanksgiving? What did I miss? Yeah. Gosh, <laughs> time is flying. Right. You know, the That's sand cool. is running through the hourglass really fast. What the heck? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, yeah. but now you understand why, like, music is running through my head, like, all the time, whatever you say. I'm like, oh, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Totally. You're dancing, um, yeah, yeah that, the rhythm, like, <laughs> pre-built into you. You bet, you bet. So I don't know how to make the bridge between what we all talked about and to finishing off this podcast. So before I ask my last two questions, is there anything else you want to share that you feel like we should be sharing? Um, should it, I, I don't know. I mean, we got pretty personal on things. I mean, maybe we could discuss business or you know scaling or delegation or decision making mm. or... yeah but then everyone's talking about that already okay yeah that's not talk about let's just talk about <laughs> unicorns and freaking yeah oh my god you love unicorns as well say it again you do love unicorns as well i don't know if i love them but it was just a random word that popped in my head when i think random i think unicorns so <laughs> okay one thing I want to ask you before I ask the other questions is what do you wish people in general, when they get to know you would ask you more? Now that is an interesting question. I don't know if I thought about that. Can you repeat that? What, what would I wish for people to think to ask me before they meet me? No, no, no. When people get to know you, just like you and me, what would you wish they would ask you more? Um, that's a hard question to ask answer actually when people meet me I wish that they would ask me more Matt how the hell did you become so damn cool like that's just a difficult question to answer but I could I could provide them with no I'm, I'm totally joking I really don't have an answer for you what would you what would your answer be Okay. Let's, let's flip this on you. You're, you're putting uh, okay. me on. I can't really think of, of anything uh, significant or of an, anything of value to, uh, to the audience right now. Mm. So <clears throat> I think a lot of people who meet me, they see me as a very strong person, a very happy person, probably successful with my business in yellow and full of pineapples. They may have seen my TEDx talk, you know, about, you know, my rape. They may have seen the stories out there about my journey of how to get through that and also the physical pain that I endured. But I don't think many people ask enough about what it actually took for me to get here. And I don't mean like, you know, how you get through all of this, but I think they don't know how deep all of that goes and they don't I think most of the people don't make an effort to understand or to to hear it because they cannot hear the depth of it if that makes sense uh, yeah no totally I think that I mean just giving I mean obviously you've you've shared that with me which I appreciate that's that's a heavy thing to encounter and experience and 
I don't know if everybody has this, the emotional capacity to even dive into what that's like. And I think that a lot of people would be fibbing or fooling themselves to even try to open up that, Can that conversation. Yeah, or, or just to allow for that conversation to exist, right? Yeah. Only, only because there's so many questions that they don't know if you would feel comfortable answering that I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I believe that most, most society just stays and strays away from difficult conversations. That's exactly. actually another, you know, interestingly enough, that's one of the reasons why I think most, most people crumble in entrepreneurship. Tim Ferriss said something really profound in, in the book, uh, the four hour work week. Have you read that? Yeah. Many years and ago. Yeah, in that book, he says, the most successful people have the most uncomfortable conversations every single day. Exactly. And it's funny because, and I'm not, I'm not saying this as a, as a bad thing, because I have a lot of friends who aren't like, maybe they're not at the pinnacle of their for career financially or anything, but I see a correlation between individuals who are not willing to, to hit things head on in their life whether it be career-wise or anything, everything affects everything. So if you are not willing to have uncomfortable conversations in your relationships, whether it's platonic relationships, whether it's your significant other, your, your relationship at some point in time will fail. And that's just a fact because you're not willing to, I mean, there's going to be things that you don't like with your business partner or you know, just anything in life and people who are not willing to have those uncomfortable conversations tend to, um, tend to, I guess, not, not perform as well in life. Yeah. I don't know what, why, why we just went down that road. It's two thirty eight AM. This is what my brain is. <laughs> well, because you turned this question back on me and that's just the reality. I never shied away from really hard conversations and hard topics. And the thing is that I do believe that this is what also made me, part of this made me resilient. Part of this is obviously what got me to success as well, because I was willing to have the hard conversations, but I also am willing to have uh, or to be asking hard questions, not only myself, but also other people. And I think the reason why this is was, was my answer is I do believe that other people can learn a lot from what I had to go through. And I wouldn't share it as a emotional burden for others or to relieve myself more because I've done tons of work in the past 10 years about it. It would really be about helping others and sharing this as a emotional support for others because they can really learn a lot and I truly believe that that my story and my journey has a lot of aspects to especially emotional intelligence and resilience and you know crisis 100%. management no matter how you want to take it so yeah no no 100% that yeah, yeah. your TEDx talk was top notch for sure and Thank and you. moving yeah yeah no absolutely that was that was you know what I tell you what um before we wrap it up because it's really late for you and I'm I'm super sorry about that no, 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 you're fine. This TEDx talk was 
I remember November 4th, 2017. And I have never, ever talked about this topic public, nor have I shared it with my family members or friends before really. And the only time I mentioned about this topic, so for everyone who doesn't know, I talk about being raped and how I got, how I got to turn this pain into power, basically. So it's all about resilience. And by this time, I also haven't, wasn't able yet to fully heal from that. So I was still working through this. And then to stand in a room, it was a very small TEDx, but it was a very, it was only a hundred something people. So I'd rather talk about it in front of 10,000 people because it makes me feel like people are not looking at me that much than in front of 120 people. And the funny part was like, it was planned to be a event with like 1,500, 2,000 people. But last minute they had to scale it down because of organizational uh, things. And then literally on the day they told me, oh, it's only going to be 150 and I'm, I'm about to freak out because it is like as if you tell everyone this story and I'm like, I cannot tell you how much I was shaking and how much I was like on the stage. I'm like, am I going to be able to stand straight for these seven minutes? I'm not so sure about it. And so <laughs> this was also the reason why I had like these note cards because like Usually you're not able to have note cards, but we didn't have we didn't have a presentation right in front of us, so they allowed us this. But it was the first time I talked about it in public. And man, that was that was certainly another level of vulnerability in public. Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine. For sure. But yeah, give yourself some credit. I mean, you definitely, like I said, you crushed it. And I got to, I think I have some pretty damn high standards. So when I saw that and uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, very impactful. Thank you. Well, shout out to the speaker coach, Colleen, because she helped us to, you know, rearrange our speeches. So that was really, really helpful too. There you go. Shout out Colleen. Colleen. All right. So shall we wrap it up or do you want to, actually, you haven't been, you haven't been answering my question. What, what, should, what was the question? <laughs> what should people ask you more of if they get, when they get to know you? What should people ask me more of? Man, I don't know why I'm having such a, a, a difficult time answering this. And I'm, not, I'm really not trying to be elusive. I'm just trying to think of what people should ask me. Like, I don't know. It just, it feels like a narcissistic thing like oh people should just ask me like these extensive questions about me like I don't know um, let's forget about this narcissistic thing because I asked you that so it's not that you're coming out and be like you should ask me all of this no I know but I, I just I, I don't know I guess my brain doesn't like think in that context of like I wish that people asked me this more often like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, hey, you know, just on a on a human level, just asking people like how how they're doing, right? Because I think as um for so, as somebody who runs two different companies and has several employees and is just constantly problem solving, right? I mean, we have employees running ads for real estate agents and loan officers and 
you know, with that comes making sure that, you know, all the little nerdy intricate stuff, checking the cost per lead, making sure that the impressions are down, making sure that the leads are getting funneled into my clients' accounts and making sure that the communication internally amongst all of our employees is, is uh, cohesive, everything. I mean, you know, I think one thing is I don't, I don't know, maybe I don't focus on it enough, but people don't, I don't believe people ask me like, Oh, Hey, how, like, how are you doing just as a human being? Mm. Because so many things are going on on a day-to-day basis that it's just about very objective business oriented questions. Hey, did you get these, uh, this campaign set up? Did you trouble, you know, did X employee troubleshoot this problem or, you know, just, just things along the business realm. So being more human, having people ask more human like questions um, instead of just everything business is nice, is nice every now and again. Yeah. And that's why we are here on this podcast to bring the human out of the business owner and the entrepreneur. <laughs> totally. totally. All right. Last two questions so you can get to bed. Oh my God. Let's I feel it. so guilty. No, um, no, no. <laughs> I'm like a night owl. Anyway. <laughs> Put it in knows- my face. No, no, no. I'm serious when I say this. Don't even feel bad. I am a total night owl. Like, it's crazy how much, like, some of my friends are like, dude, you crack, you literally crack the Da Vinci code to life. Like, you just don't sleep. But yet, I don't know. I guess people don't believe that I'm 30 because I guess I look young or whatever. So people are like, how the hell did you not age? And how do you still have energy throughout the, throughout the day? And I really don't have answers for either of those two questions. So I'm not really sure where I'm going with that. But yeah, don't don't feel guilty for me being up at this time because this is like, right. this is a nor- normalcy. Okay, that I don't. And as a high-performance leadership coach who helps business owners to get through big scales as well, I just kind of crumbled inside when you told me about your sleep routine, the non-existing one. I'm like... Oh God, this is this is impossible. So, no, I'm serious. Like some of my friends, they'll call me first, first answer, like first ring, and I'll pick up the phone. And it, like obviously, you could just tell when somebody has been sleeping or not. And they're like, "What are you doing up?" And I'm just like, <laughs> either probably reading or probably learning something new involving technology. So, but it's just fun. it's funny. Yeah, I've been there and done that until I died. So. I hope it works out. Oh wait, yeah, actually, that's not even funny. You really, yeah, you really did. <laughs> no, I'm it, sorry. I thought you were saying as a figurative thing, and then no, you know. But it, actually, it is now funny because I came back. So don't worry, it worked yeah, out. Like the, yeah, you're the Terminator. You're the Terminator <laughs> on yourself, though. Like I'll be back. Yeah. You will so, be back. <laughs> oh man, what does efficiency mean to you? Efficiency means seeing a way of doing things and creating a more streamlined or more automated or more delegated process to be able to accomplish what others are doing, uh, but in less time. I love it. And the last question for today is, so looking back, we may have, anyways, looking back, So in hindsight, knowing what you know, but 
let's just say the world goes down, you have to start all over again. Which three things would you do over and over again to get back up to success? One, I would delegate. I would delegate 99% of my business. That's something that I don't think enough entrepreneurs take seriously. They they hear this concept of delegation, but I think that people have too much too people are too much of control freaks to delegate and people don't have the right systems in place to be able to scale properly. So there's bottlenecks. Yeah, absolutely. So there's bottlenecks within their business. The second thing that I would do is I would network. Um, if I didn't already have a network already, I would get my name out there as quickly as possible and differentiate myself from the market as quickly as possible so that people knew who I was. And the third thing I would do is not take advice from anybody who's not where I want to be. Because along the journey, you're going to come across a lot of people who will give you unsolicited advice. And I always tell people, Tiger Woods is an amazing golfer. I would never ask him for advice on how to shoot a jump shot. I'm going to go or to on relationship kids. advice or on relationship advice. Exactly. Yeah. We all heard those voicemails and contrary to that, right. It's like the same thing, right? I wouldn't ask Jordan how to swing a golf club, but I would ask him how to shoot a jump shot or a layup or, or things like that. So go to the right people for advice and be intentional about your moves, you know, like, Make sure that your your actions are congruent with your desires. If you really want to be successful, does it and successful in whatever context or, or capacity that you believe that means, does it make sense to to be partying with friends with no ambition who just want to hit the club every single weekend and take you three steps back every single weekend because you're constantly having to combat hangovers and, and things like that. Does it really make sense? So make sure that your actions are in alignment with your desires. I love that a lot. I don't know when the last hangover was that I combated. Must have been 10 years ago. All right. I mean, that's a wrap. Matt, is there a song to that? That's a that's a wrap? <laughs> Yeah. So before we go, obviously, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, we thank spent a lot of time. This was an amazing episode. Um, but also all of the time before we talk, thank you so much for totally. staying awake. Totally. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is the, I mean, probably the first time that I've talked for two hours straight without like not wanting to actually get off of a a phone call or a podcast. So this was, this was great. It's been three hours, but yeah, thank you. Three hours. Yeah. This, this shows you like literally what I'm talking about. I get delusional. <laughs> Beyond midnight, I get into this weird funk. So before we go, can you please tell everyone where they can find you and what they can find there? Totally. You can find me on Instagram at instagram.com slash young. Um, or you could just type in Matt Young on LinkedIn and you will see me there. And the easy way is to just scroll down to the show notes 
and find the links down there because we make it as easy as possible for you to find our guests and also myself as in the podcast efficiency on demand if you forgot after all of our talks were you listening to (laughs) 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 so if you did forget don't worry this is efficiency on demand you can subscribe right now on your favorite podcast app or wherever you're listening to thank you for staying with us through this wonderful weird amazing podcast episode and come back for the next one you've been listening to efficiency on demand on demand we hope you've learned about your ultimate potential how to control your time how to create some clarity in your crazy life and how to live life limitless limitless if you haven't already make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on instagram at Secret Weapon to Efficiency. We'll see you next time on Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Remember, slow down to speed up.